cleared for takeoff. Welcome, one and all, once again to the latest episode of Jet Fuel, the Jets Discord podcast. As always, I am your party host, Joe Rivera. Along with me, as always, is my astute and educational co-host, Matt Szilard, King Sliz. Say hello, my friend. Hey, what's good, man? Uh, how's your week going? Oh, it's you know, it's it's going. I got my I got my Italian ice and, and ice cream here. So, you know, we always keep it professional, but also a little bit loose on jet fuel. So I'm ready to go, man. I'm ready to go. You know, this uh, to kick it off. You know, I will say that this Italian ice is a little bit colder than than uh, Joe Flacco was this past week. This last preseason game, you know, I have to admit, Liz, I was at a wedding, so I didn't catch the first half of the game. I listened to it on the radio on my way back. But from what I heard, it wasn't pretty. Uh, it wasn't pretty at all, and uh, admittedly, I haven't gone back and watched the tape yet, but what did you see from Flacco in the first-team o- offense in uh, the final preseason game versus the Giants? Yeah, yeah. so definitely uh, did yourself a favor on missing that that first quarter, certainly. <laughs> um, I, I do think, and in, in, I know there are a couple, couple Jets fans in the Twitter sphere kind of tempering hey it wasn't that bad i think especially michael nania from from jets x was kind of saying hey we the ball moved yeah you don't want to see uh see the drive sputter out and essentially not put up any points you want the first team offense to do better against the second string defense but um it wasn't pretty but i'm not i'm not waving the white flag yet so to speak Uh, i think we got four total drives we're moving the ball really really well on the one and then kind of had a, an unfortunate Michael Carter fumble. He was made a, made a move right near the, right near the first down line and just got it punched out by a linebacker coming across his face. So that, that, that stuff happens. Um, Joe Flacco did have kind of that really, really ugly interception, which was just trying to do a little bit too much, probably tried to kind of similar to some of the stuff we saw Zach do, where he tried to almost like, I was going to say, after, after to watching, just, yeah, after yeah. watching it, it seemed very Zach Wilson-esque, you know? Yeah, like it's it, like he rolled out, made a play with his legs, had a guy open, and instead of just getting the ball there, he, he kind of right. tried to tried to lay it up in there, and, and the linebacker was right there to take it the other way. But... Not great. I mean, I, I think if, if we can glean anything from the preseason, though, it's nice to know that our we it seems that we have good quality depth. Right, because when when you pit these teams against the the backups against backups, it's we pulled out three come from behind wins, and that again it doesn't count for much because you can't really glean much from preseason. At the end of the day, you're not putting anything really agreed. You're not putting anything uh, exotic on tape. These teams aren't gonna aren't gonna get you to play your 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 regular season game plan during the year, but uh, during preseason. But it's nice to see that our depth at least looks like it's pretty good. Uh, and and I think today was pretty indicative of that too, because when you have when you have players that you're hurt to cut, um, it's way different from years past where you're like, oh, you know, screw that guy, like whatever, nobody cares if you're if you're cutting this guy. But now this year, there were some cuts where like, man, this actually kind of sucks. Uh, so oh yeah, yeah, and I, I think it's been I think a, an increasingly popular take. I know I know small chimp's been yelling it from the rooftops for a while now of. You know, we have a, we have a pretty rounded out roster now, but we're really, really lacking the star power that you kind of mm-hmm. need to be one of those teams that's in the mix in the hunt. And you're hoping, I think, you know, after cutdowns, I think we had nine rookies. Uh, certainly, once you add in last year's draft class with like an Elijah Moore that you're hoping really kind of emerges. So we have a lot of chips in the in the the young gun type of bucket here hoping that they emerge and grow but yeah certainly just from a roster makeup you <laughs> it's good to see once we get down to second especially third string that you know and it's not just quarterback play elevating the guys it's yeah we're we're holding our own on defense we're holding our own on the o-line i, I don't think i don't know that we gave up a sack the entire preseason um even even with some not great great O line play by the first string uh, versus the Giants there, but right um, in general pass protection held up pretty well. I think there's still some some kinks to work out in the run game, but but that'll work itself out. And and offensive linemen, especially with as much shuffling and and kind of late additions we've made, it it'll take a little bit. I think we saw that last year. It started off really rough, and then for the last 
two thirds of the season before we started having injuries, our, our offensive line really wasn't much of a problem. Right. And I think the one thing that's encouraging from this past weekend, it's listen, it's a small sample size, but Dwayne Brown posted a 90 PFF grade for this week, um, 90 run block, 84.4 pass block. So again, small sample size versus backups, but it's nice to see that he wasn't getting, you know, he wasn't turnstiling out there, which is good. Um, oh yeah. It's just an, it's a nice, it, again, it's just a nice little benefit to have again, Joe Douglas in the future. You don't want to see him get to this point <laughs> right in the, in the off season to make a move like Dwayne Brown. And obviously he gave him a two-year deal. So, you know, if, unless he totally craps the bed this year, I think it's safe to say he'll probably be on this team next year. If nothing else, he'll be an insurance policy for however they plan to address the offensive line, whether that's a George Fant extension or maybe they attack it in the draft, who knows, or maybe, I mean, I hope not, but maybe they go back at it with Becton one more time and and see where he's at come next offseason. I don't know. Who knows? But uh, it, it is a positive to see Dwayne Brown out there and post a, a really solid grade and a good performance against uh, Giants. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. So one another another standout player once again is is Michael Clemens. This guy, I mean, I, I saw I saw some Twitter highlights and the way he absolutely walloped Tyrod Taylor. Oh my God. Um it's it's just nice. I don't know how to, how else to put this, but it's nice to see a player with noticeable effort on the field, right? With a with a with a motor that just doesn't stop. Like this guy is always always after the play he's always after the ball you don't ever see him loafing it's nice to see that especially you know and and if he can turn out to be a solid rotational piece who gives you that juice that energy especially in the third and fourth quarter when you're laying it all on the line late in the game and you really need that coming off the bench uh defensive line looks to be in good shape heading into the regular season yeah and, and really beyond clemens right our first team d line looked really really good uh lawson got some pressure uh, I, we had, we dialed it up early and had, had like three dudes all meet at the quarterback for a sack, mm-hmm. and Quinnen was one of them. Quinn yeah. and and I don't recall. I don't think he played any of the second preseason game, but in the uh, in the first one and in this last one, he he had a splash play on the first drive in both games where right. cleanly beat his guy. I think against Hertz, he got a pressure, flushed him out of the pocket. Um, and then this past game met met uh, Michael Carter the second for a sack at the QB, which either or would have gotten it. Um, half sacks kind of stink just as a statistic in general, right. but um, but yeah, the DL lo- looks good and, and Martin looked good. It, it was it was very interesting and something I've been curious how we were going to deploy all year is how are we going to use like John Franklin Myers and. Maybe I'm maybe I'm dumb and Jets fans are dumb for not just taking Sala at his word, but we did exactly what Sala said he'd do, where we played him outside at edge on the early downs mm-hmm. and then pushed him inside at D tackle. So you had kind of the Lawson, Lawson Quinnen, JFM, and then Jacob Martin uh, pass rush package on third down, which that that's going to be a good package for us this year, it, right. assuming we get to third down. I think if we can get <laughs> to third down. I think we'll be able to get off the field a lot, which is a lot different than previous years where it felt like we could generally get to third down. And then it was always the back break and play where, you know, that we, we give up the third down conversion. And then that's the start of like a seven play 80 yard drive. And uh, I don't know, D line in general look good. It's super deep. Uh, it, it'll be fun to watch. And it, especially when you, you knew last year and, and kind of, um, keynoted by the the loss in signing, this staff wants to attack with the defensive line. They right. want to get after the quarterback, and we didn't get to see much of that last year after Lawson went down, and really the whole DL kind of got got hamstrung. Yeah, you know, we had injuries up and down the depth chart. Our interior, Quinnen was hurt too. Um, interior really didn't do probably what we expected it to, but now we we have a ton of guys at edge. It's a total 180 from last year. Yeah, absolutely. And listen, the thing with Quinnen is, and we've been saying it for years, is that he needs the outside help, right? He needs the edge help. And however good of a player you want to debate Quinnen is or isn't, I mean, I, I'm tired of hearing the Quinnen debates. I think he's a solid player. Is he what he was built to be at number three overall? Probably not. But if you have a monster like him with a really solid edge rushing group, which we seem to have this year, 
that makes him all the scarier, right? Because you're finally getting him in favorable matchups. You're finally getting him the help that he needs. And both lines are totally symbiotic because you can't, if you're playing Quinn into double teams all the time and and he's the one guy that you're focusing on defensive line, he's not going to play well. I mean, period. He's not going to get to the quarterback. And he obviously had a little bit of help last, last year with JFM and he had a career year, obviously. But I, I finally feel like we're in a place where between Lawson, between Jacob Martin, between we'll see what Jermaine Johnson is, but with Jermaine Johnson, uh, everybody along that offensive line, uh, sorry, defensive line looks like they'll be able to take a little bit of pressure off of Quinnen. So uh, it's it's just another thing to look forward to this season. I, I do have high hopes, especially like you mentioned, Sliz, this defense is built to get pressure with your front four, period. Like Ulbrich isn't going to, I mean, we mentioned that Ulbrich sent the house to Tyrod Taylor and Michael Carter and, and Quinnen made it the quarterback, but this defense is not going to be blitz heavy. I don't see it being blitz heavy. Uh, this defense is all is going to be all about getting pressure with your front four. And uh, another another player who's going to benefit from that is going to be Sauce Gardner and the, and the secondary as a whole. But Sauce Gardner, 24 coverage snaps, I think the number was. No targets all preseason. Sliz, please, what does this mean? Because I, I, take it, I take it one of two ways. I take it as, okay, well, he was blanketing receivers and they didn't look his way. But I also say that he didn't actually play a top uh, – he didn't play a number one receiver this this, this preseason. So uh, it's good to see that he's blanketing guys who are, you know, a tier below. But uh, what do you what do you take from the Sauce Gardner no targets all preseason? Yeah, yeah. I think you touched on a couple points, and really there, there's a couple things to glean. So I know that there's been a bunch of dudes breaking down it's like, okay, what, what can we learn from these snaps when he's not getting targets? And if, if you look if you look at kind of every single game and all the snaps he's taken against these wide receivers, he's in good position. He's, he's got good leverage. So he is, in, he is blanketing guys. Um, if you think back maybe to the Atlanta game, probably gets a, uh, gets an assist from Bryce Hall being not very good that game and picked on a lot. And then and I know this last game against the giants, he had Eccles uh, opposite side of him. So certainly he he's the guy that they're they're not targeting they're not going after they're trying to go after the the other guy which once we upgrade to dj reed on the other side that'll be a little bit harder to do um but you have to think too these these past two preseason games we played joint practices against both those teams in the case of atlanta we played against them twice right in joint practices and we know they targeted sauce in practice because he picked off i believe it was ritter at least once um so that's kind of like, hey, they got quote unquote film on him during the week during practice, and they decided that was not the guy to go after. That was not the guy to attack in the defense. Um, so just in terms of of what that opens up, if Sauce can be that guy that is erasing, even if it's not the number one, if he if he's kind of going the Patriots model of hey, stick your CB one on their wide receiver two. And then give your your other cornerback help on the wide receiver one with the safety over the top or, or kind of lurking around. It feels like we have a lot more ability to kind of chess chess piece in that fashion. And and you know you wish he, he at least got some targets so he can get some some game action, uh, check out his ball skills and that sort of thing. How he's adjusting, right. making sure he's not committing DPI or grabbing or any of that too much at the top the stem of a route, but. Uh, it's hard to complain too too much about that. Uh, hopefully, hopefully it continues on, man. We uh, right. we need some some good cornerback play, and and you know I think in general we just talked about the pass rush, and, and I think we saw it a lot during the the Rex years, kind of inverse, right, where the pass coverage in terms of your secondary and your DBs allowed time for the. Um, for the, the the pass rush to get there. I think there's right. gonna be a little bit opposite where our pass rush is gonna get there. You need your DBs to hold up. And, and it's very important schematically marrying your marrying your rush to your coverage. And so right. that's where and and it's interesting. Uh, one of the critiques of like a sauce gardener was and and the valuation we had on them using them using a fourth overall pick on them was Hey, we play a we play a zone cover three a little bit off and and kind of refuting that and and Sala said it. Hey, the league plays man on third down. We are going to play man. We're going to man up on third down. 
and you're going to bring you're going to bring heat and you're going to force the quarterback to get it out of his hands within a couple seconds or get out of the pocket and make a play. So um, I I think the I was I was and probably still am a little vocally against the sauce pick just from a a min max perspective. But I think it's going to pay off this year, certainly. Yeah, I think so. I agree, man. Um, I've certainly come around on the sauce pick, to be honest with you. Uh, I still, I mean, when you're looking at it from a pure front office perspective and you, you sign a guy, or you draft a guy, he's already making in the top five, he's already making a lot of money for a cornerback, right? And then you're already looking at a second contract. But if you get, I mean, this is best, best, best case scenario. If you get second team all pro production from him, or, or you get rookie, you get great, you know, rookie team, all rookie team production from him in his first year, then, you know, things are looking, things are looking pretty good, right? Like you don't oh, want to yeah. be too picky. You don't want to be too picky about it. Like, I don't want to look at five years down the line and say, oh man, well, or even three years from now when he's eligible for, for a contract extension say, oh man, well, we got to worry about that. Give me three good years of cornerback play from sauce and I'll be happy. And I think that's going to be in the cards. I do. I, I like what I've seen from him. He certainly has that number one cornerback attitude. Like he's got that swagger about him. We saw that with the sauce sauce from uh, courtesy of Buffalo Wild Wings. He guys got it already. He's marketable. He's got the chain. He's got the bling. Like he looks like he's ready to go. So, um, yeah, I, I'm 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 really hopeful. I'm hopeful for Sauce. I think that he's when it's all said and done. I think it's it's going to turn out to be a good pick. And you worry about the rest later. So, <clears throat> of course, today uh, August thirtieth is cut down day. So. Lots of cuts for the Jets off for the Jets. Uh, Twenty-seven players were cut. I want to say it was total uh, some some moves. I think Nick Bauden went on IR, so that was one non-cut. But you won't be seeing him this year. Fullback Nick Bauden. So there's that. But so, so, some surprising cuts, some surprising waves, I should say. Uh, Jason Pinnock. Listen, I have my own thoughts on this, and we'll we'll get to this after I hear from you. But Jason Pinnock was was probably the highlight. Very confusing wave from from Joe Douglas here. Um, what are you, what are your thoughts on on Will Parks? Is another one safety Will Parks, which again I think people are making way too much about Will Parks. We'll get again, we'll get to that in a second. But what are some of your thoughts about from from Joe Douglas's day releasing some of these players? Yeah, so I want to I want to start it off with a very level headed. We're no. not done yet. No, we're, no, we're not done no. yet. Joe Joe, no. Joe Joe Douglas is not done yet. I do not think he's only going to carry three tackles on our active 53-man <laughs> roster. Right? Hot takes uh, only, Sliz. Hot <laughs> takes only. Hot takes so, only. So I'm starting with that. Of A, a we're not done yet, and, and Joe is kind of feasted on the waiver wire in, in kind of that cut-down free agency the past couple of years, getting what are now key contributors in like a John Franklin Myers and a Braxton Berrios. Um you know, and even some of the guys we had on the bubble, like a Tanzel Smart, we, we picked up uh, at cutdowns as well. So wanted to, wanted to start it there. Um, I will say, I guess the uh, the funeral for the 2020 draft class was a little premature. They're, <laughs> they're hanging on by a thread. So, um, you know, we and we didn't touch on Mims, who, who had a really, really good last preseason game. And, and clearly – Again, maybe maybe we're just dumb for not listening exactly to what our staff, exactly what Joe and Sala are telling us to our faces in press conferences. But that they they are he's on the fifty three man. Uh, I think a lot of us expected him to be traded. Maybe especially after that performance. Um, I know we saw Carolina trade for Lavisca Chenault, another another wide receiver from the same draft class. A little mm-hmm. bit. Uh, disappointing there but that, that seemed to have taken away our biggest trade partner for right. a mim so it's hey he's one of our six best wide receivers we're gonna carry him on the roster because he's better than calvin jackson sorry calvin jackson fans he's hey, better man. than Irv charles watch he's it. better than a Tariq black um so i like calvin I mean, jackson it is what it is i was a big calvin jackson guy i don't know i feel like he's got something but listen to, to your point um yeah, I mean, it's it's always hard, especially like obviously me being a media, right? It's always hard to try and parse through what coach speak is versus what GM speak is, right? But when you're a team like the Jets, and we saw it last year, like they they just want, especially they want to surround Zach because it's not about Flacco, obviously. It's about surrounding Zach with as much talent as possible. And if you're just shipping off Mims, even if he's wide receiver six, 
if you're just shipping him off to say, okay, well, he doesn't want to be here and you don't have a backup plan there, like to try and fill out the room, like you said, with a Calvin Jackson or whoever else, then yeah. I mean, it's, it's pretty obvious that they, they mean what they say, right. That they want to keep this guy around because they do feel like there's potential there. Listen, I, we all haven't seen it yet. Even in that preseason, even in the final preseason game where he went off for the 107 yards or whatever it was, 102 yards was like, yeah, he made that nice diving catch from Charlotte for the touchdown, but we haven't seen that in in regular season action. Like he's been out snapped by Jeff Smith and even Vincent Smith when he was here, who has been making more impact than he has. So, yeah, I, I'm not. I, I shouldn't say I'm surprised that Mims is here because I didn't think they were going to release him. Especially Joe is a guy. The Douglas is a guy who's going to get the most value out of you know whoever whoever it is that that's going to go. I mean, he got he got picks for Avery Williamson, and he turned out to be not very good with the Steelers. So. Um, yeah, it's, 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 I shouldn't say I'm surprised cause I'm not surprised, but we should like to your points, Liz, we should be listening a little bit closer to what, what Joe and Sala say. Yeah, I'll, I'll say too. And I, re- I really want to highlight the tackle spot where we apparently almost managed to pull off another classic Joe Douglas ice <laughs> and actually get a pick for Chuma. Fortunately, that fell through, but but it is interesting just carrying the three in, in Dwayne Brown, George Fant, and Max Mitchell. Um, it certainly signals moves to come. Um, and, and just as you're looking through the roster, one of one of kind of the the I don't want to say black marks of the 53, but one of the guy, guys that stands out is a Vinnie Curry, who we actually gave a decent contract to all things considered a decent bit of guaranteed money but but we're carrying right now six edges and and probably by the time people listen to this the the whole thing will be resolved but um carrying six edges plus plus jfm on top of that so kind of six and a half that that one shocked me i'm very surprised we want that dl heavy on on the defensive line um and vinnie curry just he, he's been hurt. He, he didn't play in the preseason. It just seemed kind of random almost considering how deep that room is. Um, that feels like a natural either move him to IR or, you know, maybe even trade like a Bryce Huff. But, but I guess that is something I, I really want to state is just because these dudes are made it to the initial 53 doesn't mean we can't still trade them. Right. right? Every other team had to cut down. They might've been waiting rather than trading preemptively, okay, you're, you're going to cut them. You have to cut them. It's like, no, we, we, we maybe cut guys that we thought had a better chance of making it through the fifth or through waivers, through all that, that we could stow on our practice squad and then just elevate back up to the active roster once we move some right. pieces around. So right. like, like a Denzel Mims isn't necessarily safe. I think there's some wide receiver rooms around the league, especially post cut downs. I was looking at the Raiders room. Uh, earlier today after they released Keelan Cole. That's a really thin room after Renfro and Devontae Adams. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Jaguars who just shipped off the LaVisca Chenault, that's kind of a thin room too. There, there's teams that, of course, Chicago Bears too, there's teams that could use a Denzel Mims and, and maybe it was just kind of a game of chicken with JD and maybe he called the bluff. Maybe that's optimism speaking. But uh, yeah, those are some of the big ones that really jumped out. I would love to see. I would love to see Denzel Mims in a Josh McDaniels offense. I would love to see what he would try and do with him. Like, and, and I'm being totally sarcastic, by the way, because that would be that would be hilarious to watch. Um, I, I, you know, again, it's not it's not a matter of. I don't even think. Whereas last year with Mims, you could say, okay, well, it's it's a square peg in a round hole where. It, it just his skill set doesn't match up with what Michael Floor and what the Jets want to do on offense when it comes to their receivers, separation, quick routes, you know, good feet, good footwork, separating for defenders. But then you saw the effort <laughs> that he was giving. And and just the it's one thing to not be a good route runner. It's another thing to be totally inept when it comes to running a route. And I think Mims fell in the in the latter bucket more than the former bucket a lot. And uh, again, I'm not, I'm not, I shouldn't say I'm surprised because I'm not surprised that he made the 53 man roster. Uh, we'll see how much longer he actually lasts on the roster though. I, I, I touched on this before Sliz. I, I'm really tired of hearing the Jason Pinnock stuff already. Like I understand where people are coming from, but people are acting like Jason Pinnock was like this all world, like all rookie team free safety last year. He was good. 
like he, he showed flashes. He had like 200 snaps last year. So it's not even like he was extensive. Right. And I understand people are still down on Ashton Davis, but like I mentioned on discord, I'm totally fine with going into the season with, with a maker, a make or break deal with Ashton Davis and a full season of full off season of, 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 of camp, like no injuries. He seems to be healthy. Finally. Um, the, the, that I think the cornerback room will help him out. I think the, the deeper safety room will help him out, especially with Jordan Whitehead, maybe push him over to free safety and, and just keep him there. He doesn't have to worry about playing strong safety. I think the tackling stuff, like that's way overblown. And I was looking at his tackling grades before. I think Davis's biggest issue was that when he missed the tackle, oftentimes the runner would go for another 10 yards or another 15 yards for score, but he wasn't a bad tackler. His, his rookie year tackling grade, he was at a 90 from, from pro football focus. His, uh, last season, he was at a 63.3, which is obviously significantly lower, but he had one, two, three, four, uh, five games last year with a tackling grade over an 80 with elite tackling grades. In. So it's not like this guy was was bad and he was on the doorstep with another game with a 79 tackling grade. Like I mentioned, he's very mercurial tackler, but I still think there's something there with him. And the whole debate of him or Pinnock, like I'm, I don't want to hear it anymore. Like I'm tired of it. I wish that we kept Pinnock. Don't get me wrong, but People are acting like this is massive, massive travesty that both Parks and Pinnock are gone. Parks is another guy like, sorry, I'm going on a rant here, but Parks is another guy like he's a dude that that's been around the NFL. He had three games last year where he looked like semi-decent. He's 28 years old, turning 29. Um, okay, so he had a, he had three good games last year and he had, you know, a decent preseason. Like, whatever, man, like uh, it's not enough. It's not enough for me to say to, to flip my lid and say, oh, well, this is a travesty. We should have kept this guy. I, I just don't see it. We might get canceled, but I think this is a an Ashton Davis fan podcast. I, I defended him almost all of last year, and it's interesting, right? Because with, with the news rolling in today, obviously you get all sorts of takes all over. You get some right. of the kind of memey bait takes of like, oh, this is just you know, this is just Sala having a big ego, kind of thinking he can uh, make it make his magic work. And it's like, man, you'd say that no matter who he kept. If he kept Will right. Parks, it's like, oh, that was his guy from San Francisco. If you right. kept Pinnock, oh, that's his uh, that's his conversion project. He's just got an ego. He's keeping Pinnock. It's like so th- taking th- the base ditch list, the, ditch the memes <laughs> takes and, and put on like the football hat. So wh- why why would we pick an Ash? Why would we keep an Ashton Davis over those other guys? Ashton can play both positions, free safety and strong safety that in in a room where Pinnock can really only play free safety and he's a converted guy as well. And then parks, you probably feel better as with him only as a strong safety. Right. That, that's kind of your logic that goes in there. Um, Ashton is he part of his draft appeal was his elite athleticism and his special team ability. Um, Very rangy. Cut, you heard that. You heard that right. he was rangy and his speed. And you saw that. Right. And, and I agree. I think his tackling is overblown. Um, I think salad face shared a, a link to a, a GGN article, gangrene nation article from probably mid last year or, or maybe end of season reviewing some of our run defense woes. And it, it kind of had a low light clip of Ashton taking very poor angles from single high. So mm-hmm. it's like, yes, that was true, but it's also, Unlook at the highlighted Ashton Davis there and look at everything that it takes for the the, the ball carrier to get mostly untouched to the third level of the defense right. in single high. If you're playing single high, that means you have a safety down near the box. The ball carrier should never get to the third level to begin with. So that's a lot of it's kind of like, and I know that happened in pass coverage too. It's like, oh man, that was an Ashton Davis blown, whatever in pass coverage. It's like zoom out, watch watch the exchange between the corner and the safety. That was a blown corner coverage. And then Davis was the nearest guy. So it looks like it's on him when you're watching the broadcast. Um, Not to, so I'm not saying Ashton doesn't have his faults, um, but it was interesting. I think he was one that tweeted out. um, I think LaMichael Perrine, another cut, but I think he tweeted out too, that this 2020 class, a lot of them had injuries every single year. This was the first camp full off season that Ashton got through start to finish healthy. I know Sala said in his presser that what specifically at the safety position with Ashton and Ashton and, um, and then Tony Adams, 
who was a that was a super surprise out of left field, by the way, Tony Adams. Mm-hmm. I don't think anyone right. expected that. Um, but it, it's a full body of work, right? We as fans see such a small sliver in between green and white and then the three preseason games. And and what I, I'll say probably the weird thing is it, us fans weren't really set up to be able to even glean this information right right where to- both tony adams and ashton in the in this third preseason game they were playing they were the last safeties up right pinnock and parks played ahead of ashton and and tony adams so I-, I do think that's where a lot of the confusion comes in it's like oh you were playing them ahead and now they're not um but i think kind of take a breath step back think of what went into it i don't think i i, I know rich samini kind of alluded maybe this is a little bit of joe douglas prospect hugging on it you know Ashton was a third round pick i don't think it's that i i don't think joe douglas is elbowing sala off the table and and telling him no you got to carry my guy even though you want a different guy i don't think that's happening i think our our coaches and our our front office are two in lockstep for that to happen and, and and you can see Sala and Mike LaFleur and, and Boyer's fingerprints all over this roster. I think Tony Adams is probably a guy that we'd like on special teams more than the two safeties that we, we got rid of. Right. Right. So I don't know. There, there's, there, there's more dynamics to it than just, Oh, Ashton, Ashton can't tackle. <laughs> right. Um, I, I think some, his tackling definitely could use some work, but he also was a little unlucky. I, I folks forget that Colts game for good reason, but Ashton had two pretty pivotal forced fumbles in that game that just bounced the wrong way. Those, if those bounced the correct way a little bit and they were in the first half, maybe even first quarter on one or two of them. Yeah. He was making plays. He had that, he had a good pick, I think against Miami and then he had another dropped one. So everyone, the, the bad plays always stick out in your head, but I think he's flashed enough and you hope with, okay, healthy off season, second year in the scheme, hopefully being less moved all around just to fill holes and playing with whoever off the street next to him at safety. You hope there's a little bit more consistency that develops there. Yeah, I agree with you, Sliss. And like you said, this is this is turning into an Ashton Davis fan cast. So um I, I don't I don't mean it to be. I just think that there is like people people are also treating Davis like this is his sixth year in, in the league. Like it's his third year. Like you want to see him obviously take that step. And if this is the make or break year for him and he's gone after this year, I'm fine with it. Like whatever. But I do think that there's enough there that he's going to be a solid player for us one way or the other. I don't think that he's like this net negative that he had to be gone, especially for Jason Pinnock. Well, and I can tell you a hundred percent, both Will Parks and Jason Pinnock are not getting claimed on waivers and they're both going to end up on the practice squad. Right. Lock it up. So you heard it here uh, 100%, first. <laughs> by the time you, by the time most people listen to this, this will be a, a factual statement. Sliz News Network, I love it. <laughs> Breaking news. I, I um, like that that part of the dynamic too. I think people forget, and it, and it is easy to forget. I, I think last cutdowns on our initial fifty-three man roster, we only had one tight end. I know we cut Ryan Griffin pretty sure we cut some one of the other tight ends too just to maneuver kind of chess match uh what guys we were letting through being being able to clear that first round of waivers so that we could get them either on the second round or otherwise we're gonna make moves take a breath let it play out With, with practice squad you can elevate guys off practice squad for active games you can protect a couple guys on practice squad too so they can't get poached off your practice squad so there, there's the practice squad is essentially an expanded roster in in the modern NFL. So right. you're not 16 players, man. Yeah, you're not guaranteed to keep your guys, but it is an expanded roster. Um, you know, and that's a, another position I think that that jumped out was the the Tevin Coleman cut. And I know last year I was a big proponent of Tevin Coleman. I thought we probably should have carried him this year too, but replacing him with Bam, Bam Knight. Uh, Zonovan Knight is essentially the same guy, but younger. And you hope a little less uh, injury riddled. Uh, <laughs> right. Seven Coleman's always good to give you six games. And then you don't know beyond that. Um, you know, I thought carrying Ty Johnson was a little bit of surprise. and But but in general, he was the guy we trusted on third down. Probably, in my, in my opinion, incorrectly. I didn't think he did a good <laughs> yeah. job on it. But he's really yeah. the only guy that has done that regularly. 
and especially right. something that probably really, really jumps out. And that I know it's not a sexy position by any means, but between Nick Bodden going on IR and then cutting Wesco, we don't have a a guy that we've used in a fullback role on the roster. Right. So kind of begs the question, are we going to use like a Jeremy Rucker in that halfback role? Are we going to look to sign one in free agency? I know there's one or two that, that pique some folks' interest, but it's cool seeing, you know, some fan fit. I, I think there are a lot of guys that's like, oh, why'd we cut him? Why'd we cut him? It's cool seeing two fan favorites in, in Bam Knight and Lawrence Cager both make yeah. a roster. I was going to say Lawrence Cager, and we had mentioned it last week on, on episode three of the podcast, Liz, was that um, Cager is a guy that I would have loved to see make this roster as like a tight end four slash wide receiver five or six type guy. And he's sticking for now, at least. And that's awesome to see. And he's he filled in his body. I think they said he gained 25 or 30 pounds. And he really he, he made the role his and he flashed. And even as a wide receiver, like he didn't blow the doors off anybody last year, right? When we had him, but he was a guy that a lot of people wanted as an undrafted free agent. They got him. And he made the most of his his minimal snaps last year, so it's nice to see him sticking around for another year. You you saw the the Sala quote about him, right? Where right, he, yeah, he yeah. was he, the the slowest wide receiver in the room, and now he's the the fastest tight end in the room. Yeah, so. you see, that's that's that positive vibes only stuff from Sala right there, man. You love yeah. to see it. Guy yeah. never has a bad thing to say about anyone. It's great. Um, it some is- other. Well, I was, gonna, I was just last thing on Cager. It, it is a lot of people are like, okay, but what's he actually going to do in the room? I think he's not going to see many snaps, folks. Right. He's your tight end four. It, right. If he even sticks on the 53, right? He's purely there as kind of the two deep uh, on Conklin, where if Conklin gets nicked up or something, we have a guy we can call on to stretch the field, to attack the seam, to do a lot of those pass catching duties and then rely on a, a Uzama and a Rucker kind of in more of a blocking capacity. So just right. wanted to put that out in the ether. Cager is not going to be doing a ton of inline run blocking in general. <laughs> right. Uh, some other notable names who were cut. Javelin Gidry, I know that was that was kind of a surprise uh, wave, backup, backup slot guy. I'd imagine that they probably see Brandon Nichols as your backup slot guy now, um, or, or, swing, or swing cornerback kind of, kind of role. So... Uh, that it, it was an interesting one. I, I'm not sure I saw that coming. Tanzel Smart, you know, you says you've been a big fan of Smart. Jabari Zuniga once again doesn't doesn't crack the 53 man roster. Even after he posted a pretty good pretty good grade from PFF, and he was noticeable on the field, uh, albeit against backups. But another guy that didn't make it, uh, Hams and Nasraldine. That's disappointing to me, to be honest. Uh, you know, maybe he sticks on the practice squad. I hope he does. You know, linebacker safety convert or linebacker convert coming out of college. Obviously had the knee issue, and then he didn't look too great this preseason. But he's a guy that just needs a little bit more time. He obviously hasn't come as far along as Jamie and Sherwood has, who's looked very, very good in his snaps this preseason. So, um, yeah, I mean, Lamical Perrin, you know, like – like. Uh, like our friend Stephen A. Smith would say, well, Michael Pirine doesn't make the roster. I think that that closes the door. That closes the door on him uh, ever cracking a roster with this team. Uh, Kenny, Obo- Kenny Yoboa, another one, tight end, doesn't make the team, at least today. And uh, another guy who we were a fan of, at least on the pilot episode, and that was Trayvon Wesco. You know, Wesco was there. Unfortunately, now he is not there, Sliz. So uh, I don't know if any of these other cuts stand out to you, but really, at the end of the day, Nothing too shocking outside of like we had mentioned uh we mentioned Pinnock, but nothing too out of left field. No, and I, I do think and I and we're we're also a a special teams podcast here. We value all three <laughs> phases of the game. But if you look, right, we cut we cut an Astral Dean, we cut a Delshawn Phillips, we cut who who else did we cut down that list? We cut like Kenny Yuboa, Trayvon Wesco. Mm-hmm. The, these were guys when they're when they were on the active roster they were core special teams guys when you hear sala say hey special teams played a factor in our our room in the safety room and our, our decision making you can start to see why a tony adams might get the edge right it, you only have 53 roster spots you need guys to play special teams if, it, if it's a tie game, like, oh, man, we like Tony Adams, we like just Jason Pinnock, but Tony Adams can play special teams, Pinnock can't, 
that's how that roster decision gets made. When you look at the whole makeup and you, okay, we removed a javelin Gidry. He, he was a good backup gunner, if nothing else on special teams, you know, like I, I mentioned Nestor Dean and, and Delshawn Phillips were both core teamers as high, high volume tackle guys, high wedge guys in, in the block blocking on kick returns, punt returns and such. You see how that makeup gets done as you're you're putting together a 53 man. It's a forgotten phase. It's really easy to forget it. But right. that's also like a detriment of carrying a Denzel Mims at wide receiver six. If he can't play special teams, you got to make up that special teams acumen somewhere else. And, that, and in mm-hmm. this case, it's it looks like that was in the in the uh, safety room. Yep. But um, the only the last one can't get through a the last podcast of preseason without mentioning them. King Strev uh, was vanquished. <laughs> not not yeah. on the football field, but he didn't make it to the roster. Very expected. Uh, I don't know. It, the, the, the summer of Strev was fun. Uh, again, I know we talked about him a ton last podcast, and anytime you see a quarterback that can actually lead a touchdown drive, Jets fans go nuts. <laughs> but Mike White, once that got hurt, Mike White was always going to be the QB three. I don't think he's very good, but he's played in NFL games. He's been in this offense. The locker room respects him. It, this was always the inevitable. Contrary again to what people think, he's he doesn't does Strevler does not deserve to be on a fifty three man roster in the league. Yeah. He he just does not have the tools. He is a perfect role as a practice squad scout QB. And I hope we keep yep. them at least for this week one against a uh, mobile quarterback like Lamar Jackson. Yeah. I mean, not much to say there. I mean, Mike white escapes once again, right? Mike white is becoming the Chuma Doga of the quarterback room. So there's that, but uh Chuma Doga is a guy that's no longer with us. So there's that. Um, so to, to wrap up the runway rundown, I, I mentioned this before, but the sauce sauce, uh, sauce Gardner in, in conjunction and partnership with Buffalo Wild Wings gets his own sauce, uh, his, his own Buffalo. I think it's some got like sweet barbecue and something or other sauce. So that's pretty cool. So Liz, I have a very serious question for you. What is your favorite wing sauce? Do I have to narrow it to one? Are you making me, you are you making me pick my number one? What's your, what's your Mount Rushmore of wing sauces? How about that? We can go Mount Rushmore here. Yeah. So Cause I, I change it up a lot mood mood dependent right so just like a classic medium buffalo sauce always, yes, always good gotta say i'm not a blue cheese guy at all i don't know wow. if that, that fades my opinion at all 100 percent a ranch guy not blue cheese at all wow but, um a, a, a good a good medium buffalo a good barbecue always good and then um b-dub specific the the asian zing is a good one to throw in the rotation every now and then so yeah i'd say those are probably my three i am a big fan of the asian zing from buffalo wild wings that's that is a good sauce man i crack open a bottle of blue cheese and drink it like water bro you kidding me get out of here get out of here i I, I left the east coast and now i'm weak i I, blue cheese is not my thing i can do some gorgonzola if we're talking kind of fermented cheeses there but not not blue cheese (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so that'll do it for the runway rundown uh flight plans so let's take a look ahead of what's a, what's ahead of us liz this is really we have another episode obviously coming next week before baltimore before the week one matchup versus baltimore season opener on september 11th but uh any any quick thoughts on that matchup with baltimore as we as we look forward i mean uh the one thing that's kind of just the national i guess a national story that i've i've been following is lamar jackson contract talks Today on Twitter or on Tuesday on Twitter, he liked a picture of him in a Dolphins uniform. So that was pretty interesting. You start to get the, I mean, please God, no. I mean, do I have to say it? Like, I, I, I just signed a contract, man. Please stay out of my division. Um, say what you want about Lamar as a quarterback, one way or the other. I hate playing running quarterbacks. Like, it, it kills me. Um, and, and Lamar's we've, we've, a special we've, talent. We have sucked against running quarterbacks. Yes, just we have for years, years yeah. and years and years. So there's that. Uh, I don't know if you have any quick thoughts on on Baltimore before we move on to uh, no. some waiver claim stuff you want to speak on. Yeah, probably my biggest thing with Baltimore is 
probably my my own undoing here kind of I, I think i started the the lamar jackson to the new york jets meme and jets oh, no. discord like uh, oh hey if zach bus the this lamar ch- contract stuff's going south we can trade for him we got a good mm-hmm. roster we run a we run an offense i think a modern offense that still uses a lot of tight ends and stuff and uh, it, it's not going to happen, folks. Lamar is not going to come to the Jets. <laughs> of all teams, he is not going to come here. He'll get oh. the contract done. Uh, I, I don't know. I was critical of him and his contract negotiations in general and not having an agent and not getting it done sooner, especially right. when he got hurt last year. But I, I think we've seen players, as long as they don't have career-altering injuries, holding out till more or less the last moment to get that extension, especially in this quarterback market is going to make you millions, right? Imagine Lamar Jackson. If he signed at the same time as Josh Allen, that's before this Kyler Murray contract. That's before the Aaron Rodgers extension. That's before the Deshaun Watson contract. Those contracts have set insane precedents in terms of not only total dollars, but in terms of guarantee breakdown. Right. So I guess, Hats off to Lamar Jackson for for playing chicken long enough and betting on himself. He he's gonna make a contract that I don't think we want to pay for him. Quite frankly, on top of having to trade trade away three three drafts worth worth of picks. Yeah, and I think on top of it too is that he just put the to put the cherry on top here. I think Baltimore doesn't really want to give him. At least Jake Glazer reported that Baltimore doesn't want to go fully guaranteed. So. If you're talking more than more than Kyler Murray, which is I think 46.1 per year average annual value, $50 million guaranteed per season. You think Baltimore wants to do that? I mean, I know with the TV deals and the cap supposedly going up soon, and and at some point these quarterback contracts are just gonna tie to percentages into, into oh, yeah. the cap, right? They're gonna just eat up. I mean, Drew Brees was making before he retired, he was making 22% of the cap in, oh, in yeah. New Orleans. So that's just the direction that we're going or all cap percentages. So we'll see if that gets done in the coming weeks, but uh, any ideas on waiver claims and, and any, any idea what Joe Douglas might do over the coming days, Liz? I, I don't in general, I haven't looked a, a whole lot through other teams cuts and I really don't, I think we'll be less active than people maybe anticipate and, and just if you think of the context of this roster compared to 2020 compared to 2021, we've brought in a lot of Joe Douglas guys. And then between this year and last year, we brought in a lot of Robert Sala guys too, right? right? There's, there's a lot of guys in the room that we've either signed to free agency contracts or we've drafted. There's a lot fewer just gaping holes than we've had in years past. Um, I, I mentioned it earlier. We're, we got to figure something out at tackle. We're not going to carry only three tackles into the year. If we do, then I'm pretty worried. One, one of those tackles is super old Dwayne Brown. And the other one is, is George Fant. Who's, who's still <laughs> rotating in still taking some veterans day off as, as he rotate, as he works his way back from that, that knee injury, that knee scope that he had in the off season. But um, your your only tackle death being a, a rookie Max Mitchell is probably not a, a good a good formula for success. Here we go again. <laughs> Here we go again. That's that's the only thing that's like sticking in my brain right now, man. It's gonna be yeah. week when down goes George Fant, and here comes Max Mitchell. For better yeah. or for worse. I I assume we're doing we're gonna do something with our defensive line group and, and probably at edge. I know they said they're gonna rotate a lot. I don't think we're going to have three full strings of edge rushers. <laughs> right. Um, so something will, something will give there. And, and, you know, one of those spots probably goes to the the tackle position I was talking about. I, I think we're set at linebacker. I know people want to claim a linebacker. I, I don't think we're going to get any better than what we got. You know, p- p- g- starting caliber linebackers don't get cut. Yeah. Starting caliber players in general don't get cut. You're looking at that, that fourth or third, fourth, probably fifth guy on a roster that you're looking to bring in kind of probably move slot him one, one spot ahead of where he should be on a depth chart and hope he develops. Right. Right. I don't think we're going to, that someone putting over under out there for, for two and a half. I think we're, we're well under that. I think we're probably maybe one claim, probably two, maybe three total roster moves. So I, I don't know. I think we'll, we'll have certainly two moves 
with doing something with our edge group and filling that tackle spot. But I think we're, we're pretty close on this roster, at least for week one until like a Zach Wilson gets healthy. Um, right. I, don't, I don't think there's going to be a whole lot of movement. I think I'm just going to echo what you said. So let's just get me some good offensive line depth on at tackle, please, because I'm on pins and easel, needles waiting. Um, I, I just, I, I can't, <laughs> I can't, especially with Dwayne Brown at his age and, Fan coming off the injury and Max Mitchell and Connor McDermott. I mean, he was released, but I think that was a procedural thing. Um, so we'll we'll see we'll, we'll see what they do. But yeah, his work Douglas's work is not done yet. Over the next next few days, obviously that comes with practice squad too and putting the practice squad together. But I don't think he's he's going to be done just yet. Especially adding to the adding to the game day roster and adding to some some depth that we desperately need across the offensive line. So we move on to the fan favorite, Golden or Wooden. Not a lot today, as this is a little bit shorter of an episode, but buy or sell the following takes, Liz, from Fuzzy Stoner, one of our favorites. The Jets have a bottom three kicking situation, punter and kicker, for the third straight season. Is that Golden or Wooden? I'm going very Wooden on this one. I've been been singing the praises of Greg, Greg Beleg since episode one. I think he finally puts in a good enough season where special teams, kicking, punting won't be the issue. Uh, I know man in that, that last preseason game had some good punts. He he had one that kind of didn't even have a shot. He, he weighed sailed it into the end zone instead of trying mm-hmm. to get the pin, but I, I think he'll be all right. I think improved roster depth and improved special teams talent will help us out as well. And also, I think our offense will just get us into more manageable field goal situations. I, I think I think we'll be all right. Um, yeah, I think there's enough teams that you've seen cut kickers and sign kickers kind of last minute here, where there's a lot in flux, kind of in the bottom third of the league. I don't I don't think we're going to be in the bottom three th- this go around. Yeah, I'll say this: I, I don't think we're going to see Braden Man often this year because we're never never going to be in punting situations. Rather gonna be, go. We're going to be going for it on fourth down or kicking field goals. That's it. We're never going to see Braden Man. So uh, I don't know. I don't know. I don't see uh, a bottom three kicking situation. That's tough for me unless unless Zerline completely phones it in this year and, and his leg falls off. And we know he's had injury issues in the past, but um, I don't see that. I don't see that happening. So I'm going wooden here. Uh, okay, so here we go from this is from Jets Theory on Twitter. Okay, I, I saw this take. I I honestly have read this take at least 10 times, Liz, maybe more, trying to determine if it's like a sarcastic, funny take because of the way that it's worded or he's being legitimately like super, super hopium here. So let's say, well, let me read this one out. Uh, the amount of Jets fans that want Bryce Hall cut is astonishing. That is true, right? I think that's fair because I don't think Bryce Hall was never not making the team because he was fighting for the for, for cute for cornerback one spot. I mean, we knew that was going to sauce, but they needed the depth, right? Here's where it gets interesting. He had a rough preseason, fine. Okay. And the games that actually count, he has been a mostly solid, good player. Okay. Here's, here's the kicker. He's arguably the best cornerback four in the league. One or two practice games doesn't change that. Dunn isn't better. I'm hung up on the... <laughs> He's arguably the best cornerback for in the league. What does that mean? I, I mean, I'm assuming your one through three are going to be, you know, Sauce, DJ Reed, and Michael Carter. So you're saying like he's your best bench cornerback and number four. Like, I get like, what does that mean? Like, who brags about that? Like, he's the fourth. Like, or is this guy like combing through everybody's depth charts to see who the fourth cornerback is on their depth chart to try and fit? Like, I, I don't know. I like. It's I I I'm at a loss for words, Liz. I really am. Yeah, I, I can't even call this a wooden take because I don't know, right? Like you said, <laughs> like I don't I don't know I don't know a CB four on any other roster in the league, right? <laughs> just off the top of my head, like it's not it's not a position in fantasy. Like you just don't know CB fours around the league, so it's like maybe he is, but yeah, just in general, and this is. Maybe maybe where we're at as Jets fans, where we we you know a little bit of homerism, always talking up your own players, your own depth, yeah. especially. And I mean, I was guilty of it last year a little bit. Where hey, we got we have a good, we have one of the the more solid 
wide receiver three through five in the league is something <laughs> I said last year, right? And, and it granted, I did some research, so maybe I'll, benefit of the doubt, maybe this guy did research considering it's on Twitter. I highly doubt it, but uh, <laughs> yeah, just in general, I, I guess I'll call it wooden because. <laughs> Yeah, best CB4 in the league kind of undermines the entire point he's trying to put across of like, hey, we should keep Hall because he's a good backup, maybe. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I don't get it. It's like it's like you watch those old movies of like high school dances and you see all the ugly dudes sitting on the sitting on the side waiting to get a dance or whatever. It's like picking picking Bryce Hall out of that lineup is like being proud of that, right? It's like Okay, he's he actually made it to the dance. He's just not actually gonna dance with anybody. I don't know. It's just such a bizarre take to me, man. I don't. Yeah. Whatever. I, yeah. I laughed. I laughed for a good five minutes reading that. He's the best CB four in the league. Love to see it. Yeah, you, all you right. Me both and and short segment today because it was almost all cut down predictions. So right there, there's not a lot to say that are golden or wooden because everyone knows how those went. So that, that's put, the the reason for the short segment. <laughs> I'll put in I'll put in a golden or wooden right here. Golden or wooden. Herb gets unbanned for the next podcast. You think that's golden or wooden? Ank got unbanned. So uh, I I, be- I believe in in young Herb. He's an up and comer. Uh, I'm going golden. Wow. I'm definitely going wooden because I'm the one who's in control here. So there's that. All right. So we move on to our geek of the week. Sliz. Uh, I know this one meant a lot to you, and and I actually took great pleasure in kind of teaching you something about about this week's geek of the week. Please let the listeners know who you selected this week. Yeah, so so college football week zero kicked off, so I, I figured best to hone in with a real foot a real real football game. Take our geek of the week this week is Scott Frost head coach of the Nebraska Cornhuskers shout out vid stuff um, fellow uh, a corn husker there himself um, as, as Joe alluded to history lesson for me connection to the Jets which which happened to line up so the the Jets can't escape geek of the week no matter <laughs> I, I delve into the depths of the college ranks and still get a Jets related guy but uh, for those that didn't watch didn't pay attention uh, he he was leading a game in the fourth quarter, up 11 points, and pulled pulled an onside kick. Ended up not recovering it, losing the game. Some extra context, uh, I guess he was forced to hire a special teams coordinator going into the season. <laughs> Clearly, I assume for, for reasons like this decision. Clearly that didn't pay off. And then um, tying it back to the Jets. So he was a, apparently a former Jets safety we drafted back in 98. Um, yes. Played here for a little bit. But also, just, just framing this up, so uh, Bo Pelini was the Nebraska head coach prior to, to um, Scott Frost. And, and he was, I don't want to say run out of town, but he, he his, his time was over, right? They, they were ready to move on. And saw this stat on on I guess it was on the college football Reddit. I saw it on Twitter. It was after yesterday's loss. Scott Frost is now fifteen and thirty at Nebraska. Bo Pelini was fired after going sixty-seven and twenty-seven. So got very very opposite ends of the spectrum here. So right. if Frost were to win his next fifty games in a row, so about three plus seasons worth of going undefeated he would still have a worse record at Nebraska than Bo Pelini. So <laughs> just wanted to bring that full circle. I know there's a lot of folks, you know, we, t- we touched on whether Sala, this might be his last year. If it doesn't go well, it's just moving on. Doesn't mean you end up with a better solution either. Right. right? That, that is always important to remember that that shouldn't stop you from moving on from your current guy. If he's clearly not it, but there can always be worse. Yes, very, very true. Very true. And, you know, just to, to piggyback off that, I, I remember when Scott Frost was hired in Nebraska and it, it it just seemed like destined. Like, I don't know if this is revisionist history, but Scott Frost was a guy that everybody wanted, like coming from UCF and all of a sudden, like, you know, he really built those teams up and they were successful teams. And then he goes to Nebraska and it seems like, you know, well, that just a, it's just a hire that makes sense. And now he's 15 and 30 and 
onside kicking up 11 points. So there's that, you know, like you said, Sliz, you just can't take the Jets football out of the Jet, Jets brain. You just can't take Jets brain out of uh, out of some of these guys. So it's very unfortunate. All right, Sliz, let's bring it in for a landing. This is the landing strip. What's on your mind? Yeah, I got a couple things. So became an uncle over the weekend. So my, hey! my had a had a beautiful daughter. Uh, congrats to them. Uh, everyone's all healthy, went well. So, uh, yeah, uh, uh, Papa Sliz and now Uncle Sliz. So gaining a gaining a new title. Uh, over Papa, the Uncle, and King. Look at that. What a resume. <laughs> Yep. So yeah, ex- excited for that and uh, excited to see our kids kind of grow up together. So that's going to be cool. Um, other than that, uh, Lord of the Rings series starts up this week uh, on Thursday. So really, really pumped for that. I've always been a big Lord of the Rings guy. I grew up with it. Always watched the movies many, many times over, played the games, all that good stuff. So super pumped for that. I don't know. Are you a Lord of the Rings guy at all? I, I so so I bought the 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 extended edition box set right like years and years and years ago the Blu-ray so and I told myself you know what I'm gonna do I'm gonna sit down and I'm gonna watch them all in one day. Little did I know that those movies are 28 28 hours back to back to back. Uh, but no, I got through I got through Fellowship of the Ring and I got through Two Towers the extended editions and it was legit like seven and a half hours I think. And to this day. I have not watched Return of the King. Oh man! So you're just waiting for I, the right moment for the King I'm to waiting. return, I guess. That's it. That's it. <laughs> yep. That's exactly. <laughs> that's exactly it. Yeah. No, I'm I'm super pumped though. I, I touched on it last week. It's a good time in media and lots of good shows going on. And then, Joe, I got. I don't know if you're a, a soda soda pop guy or anything. I I, I don't drink a lot. I was in the grocery store today and got myself a four pack of root beer. Man, I like root beer. Root beer is Hell yeah, stuff. man. <laughs> yes, it is. All right. Well, well, number one, what brand is it, Slows? Because this is important. Oh man, I was so so I just went, I just went with the safe Stewart's. Oh, hell yeah, uh, man. Root beer. My brother and I would always drink it growing up. He actually called me before the pod and I was like, yo, I was thinking of you. Got a Stewart's root beer. So yeah, went kind of with what I knew instead of branching out and trying some of the other craft root beers. No, nah, no, yeah. no. Nah, nah. Stewart's root beer is, is elite, man. I got a Stewart's right next, like literally right outside my apartment, like two minutes up the road. Nice. And uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's dangerous though, because you know, you're going to end up a diabetic if you keep pounding those back. But <laughs> But yeah. uh no, yeah, Stewart's root beer is, is legit. Stewart's orange and cream, cherries and cream, uh, all of all of Stewart's stuff is really good. Vanilla cream, like it's all it's all really good. So um yeah, it's a good choice. Root beer is always a good choice. Yeah, yeah. So I got a few I got a few thoughts from my landing strip here. Uh, first and foremost, I want to give a, a big, big shout out to Jet X, Robbie Sabo, Michael Nanya. Those guys do excellent work over there. Um, and Robbie actually reached out, and we hope to have him on the podcast soon. Uh, Robbie reached out and and wanted me to partake in a Wayne Corbett virtual meet and greet last night uh, on Monday night, which was super awesome. Um, I mean, Corbett was, especially for me growing up, was like one of my favorites, like him, Chad and Curtis are like my three favorite players growing up. So uh, it was it was awesome to get to ask Wayne about, you know, what is he I'm sure he hears excuse me, I'm sure he hears the comparisons a lot to Braxton Berrios. And I asked him like, Hey, what's it, what's it like, you know, kind of hearing that like two different players, two different skill sets, you know, Wayne was much more known for going over the middle and playing fearless, you know, Braxton's a gritty player, but he's not really the same type of player, but uh, you know, he gave, he gave Braxton his, his flowers and he really appreciated that. And, and the guy does still follow Jets football very, very closely. So that was very, very cool. Um, over the weekend, a similar, not a similar life, totally similar life event to useless, but one of my best friends in the entire world, Sasha got married to his beautiful bride, Whitney. And it was the time of my life, man. Uh, dancing for hours, nonstop, nonstop dancing. It was, it was just so much fun out in, out in Stroudsburg, Pennsylvania, where you got like two bars of service over the course of, of three days, staying in a timeshare cabin, big ass bugs. Like it was, it was a great time though. Uh, just a great time. Some cigars were had, some expensive whiskey was had, uh, Many, many drinks were had, which I'm still confused about because I did not feel a single thing from any of those drinks during the wedding day. 
So I'm a little bit skeptical of, of the venue's drink policy here, but uh, a big shout out to Sasha, one of my best friends in the entire world and, and Whitney for just the, the wedding of a lifetime. I'm happy for you guys. I know you're not going to listen to this podcast, but you should. And it was just a wonderful, wonderful weekend, wonderful weekend, great time. Awesome. Yeah, that's all. So, hey, you, you just burned it off on the dance floor, I guess. That's why you didn't yeah, liquor, right? Yeah, man. I'm telling you. And I'll, I'll tell you, I had two tequila sunrise. I had a couple amaretto sours. I had uh, the dude, the drinks were flowing. And I was talking to, to his best man. His name is Jared. And Jared was saying he had, he counted, he had 12 drinks and he didn't feel a thing. And I can confirm that he didn't look like he felt a thing. So uh, certainly there was some, there was some uh, witchcraft happening, happening at oh, this yeah. wedding, but. It's still a great time. Great time. So that'll do it for this episode of Jet Fuel, the Jets Discord podcast. As always, you already found us, but you can continue to find us on SoundCloud, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. Please, please follow us on Twitter at Jet Fuel Podcast. You can follow me on Twitter at Joe Rivera SN. Sliz, why don't you tell the people where they can follow you at? Find me at Sliz underscore NYJ. As always, you can also send us an email at jetfueldiscordpodcast at gmail.com. And you can always join the Discord. And I remember to put the hyperlink in here this time. And that's discord.gg slash nyjets. So until next time, for Matt Salard, I am Joe Rivera reminding you, you can't take flight without jet fuel. <laughs>